This is exactly right. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! everybody welcome to that's messed up an svu podcast uh i'm one of your hosts kara clank and i'm lisa traeger we talk svu true crime and one day we will have guests again <laughs> one day post one day. strike one in day in the new year just 2024 year. yeah yeah yeah. 2024 we're cooking up baby. some good interviews we got some good people coming up in in 2024 this is our Last episode before Christmas, Jingle Bells. Um, <laughs> you're going to be, will you already be away when this comes out? No, no not yet. No. Not yet. No, we have just gotten back from our New York Philly dates. And I will be going to Mexico City in four days. So, but you know, I mean, we're recording this in the time machine way before, but I'm already, you know, I'm buying skirts. I'm, 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 uh, I got new sneakers. I'm wearing them in. So they're ready for... They're ready for Mexico. You know, it's so much planning. The nail appointment has been made on the 22nd. I am uh, doing a lot, doing a lot. I, I know. I Buying keep, the like, tickets, doing the plans. Yeah. I'm holding out my nails until like right before because I want them to like last over the holidays, like when I'm gone for a long time. I know. Um, Same with the roots. You know, it's like I'm trying to get my grays, but if I wait this long, then I'll, they'll pop out in this time. So yes. I have to wait. So I'm gray for a week longer than I I'd like to be. I have not done, because I'm going to the same girl we both go to to get my hair recolored fully, but I don't like to... Like, I don't really pay her to do my roots. I just do it myself. And so I'm waiting until like the day before the appointment so that it can like all be beautiful together. That's so wild that you won't let her just do it all. Because she did it last time. It's so much more money and it's so much more time. It's like a double process for me. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. And I just like do it myself and then she just does the rest, you know? Because it's like, because I do balayage. So I will be when this episode comes out, frantically packing to take my two children by myself across the country on a plane. And should I buy a Delta lounge pass before that? (laughs) Will it help me? I don't know. Um, I get there so early and then I just let them like run around and they go insane. And people usually laugh, but I don't know. We'll see. It might be bothering people at the Christmas time. Um, but, but that's what, if you're traveling around the holidays, you know that's what's happening, you know? Like, the yeah, dogs are out, exactly. the babies are there, the families are going. That's like, this is this is the time. Yeah, the kids are pumped. They're full of sugar. It's happening. Yeah. Um, wait, I spent the morning on Ticketmaster trying to buy tickets to take my son Oscar to see Rafi because he's going to be in LA in February. And guess what? That motherfucker sold out the Orpheum downtown. And he didn't really sell it out totally. There's like six single tickets left, which is like 
Who's buying those singles? Who's buying a single to go to Rafi? That's an SVU episode. You know, like you can't like send a kid by themselves. So there's I think just, it's like, time to email for some favors. I bet I no, I bet our agents have never been I, asked for a Rafi. Ticket, I literally so. was like, is this the ask for the agents, or do I wait until I really want to see Adele? Like, do I have like I can't believe I would have I would like blow it on Rafi. It's on resale sites. Like there's stuff on StubHub, but it's like for. The, uh, they're on Ticketmaster for 49 and they're on StubHub for like 95 And it's like... I didn't know you guys were such a Rafi family. Oscar just started kind of being into like Baby Beluga and like Down by the Bay and stuff. And I was like, you know, he's kind of an icon. And I feel like... Uh, like I was thinking it would be something fun for me and Oscar to do because... I do so much solo shit with Rosie. Like, I would like to start doing a little bit more now that Oscar's coming more into his consciousness, like doing more things with him. And so I thought it would be a fun thing for us to do. And damn, I texted a bunch of friends. I go, I'm getting tickets for Rafi. Who wants to come? And then I go, cancel that. He's sold out. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. Damn, that's impressive. Yeah, it's at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday in February, but I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to work some work some connects, see what I can do. God. So did you find out about it late or did he sell out that fast? I think I found out about it late. I think, I don't know. Okay. I don't know when it was announced, to be honest. I like saw something generally, pa- like a passing about it, maybe on my Facebook and was like, uh, what is this? And then my friend, I was on another podcast. I was on Hysteria and Aaron Ryan, who's the host of that podcast, was like um, saying how Rafi's so cool. This is actually, we were having a conversation because, you know, at the end of that podcast, you do, you do Sani Petty, something that's keeping you sane or something that you feel petty about. And for Petty, I was like, I'm so spoiled by Netflix and Hulu without ads and all this stuff that I pay for, I don't pay for Paramount without ads. And my kids watch a lot of Nickelodeon shit on there. And there's so many fucking ads and it's like so insidious because they're two and four and everything they see, they're like, can we get that? Can I have that? And I'm like, God, like how did our parents even live? We were just watching commercials constantly asking for everything, I'm sure. So I was annoyed by child uh, consumerism, advertising culture or whatever. That was my 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 petty. And she was saying that Rafi actually could have been a millionaire many times over, but he would he refused to let his music be sold for children's advertisements. Whoa. Yeah. That's what she told me. Haven't fact checked. So it, he but. could have had a Nickelodeon show or something, or like, what did she mean? He could have like been he, he so would much have richer. made so much money if he had like lent his song to like uh you know a Paw Patrol or like I don't know not a Paw Patrol but like you know some kind of any kind of toy or like to movies or anything that's like being aimed towards kids and he wouldn't do it. Wow. So he didn't want kids to be advertised to. I think so. I think he was like, let them find my music on a record player in a field. Um, I bet he's still a millionaire, though. Yeah. <laughs> I <do>. Oh, I'm <laughs> I think sure. He's... That's yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, he could have been like a more millionaire, like you know. But yeah, like this thing in Canada, Rafi says no ads for kids. Like he he advocates for a child's right to live free of commercial exploitation, and he has consistently refused all commercial endorsement offers. That's what it says on his Wikipedia. And I kind wow. of like like love that about Rafi. Anyway, That's amazing. Well, that um, kind of reminded me and then fully left my brain immediately. And now it's back. So um, there's this woman, I think I talked to you about her, but her name is Chelsea Fagan. I found her TikTok, but I used to read her stuff on Thought Catalog, like back yes. in the day. Pixar and Ryan mom O'Connell's. Hair. Yes, Pixar mom hair. So she's the CEO of this company called The Financial Diet. And I think it's just like 
YouTube and social media finance advice for young people. But she has 11 employees. She is the CEO and she's the fifth highest paid in her company. She says, it's bullshit to think that executives are the most valuable or the most important to a company. She goes, I am not. And there are people who deserve to get paid more than me. She's not given herself a raise in five years. She says, I make enough money. I have other endeavors. I don't need more money. And I don't, that's that. Wow. So people, it's pretty cool. These people cool. with their integrity. It's as you, But as you say, it's tough to have integrity, you know? um, But she's doing well. You know what I mean? Like, and she can, and a lot of the comments are always like, you're out of touch. You're And she came from low income. She was raised low income. Yeah. And that's where a lot of her education and um, I think with money also comes from. And like, I don't know. But they own their apartment, her and her husband. She dresses well. Like, you know, I don't know if she's, and it's kind of the thing where at a certain point, your happiness does not grow with the amount of money you have. And I yeah. think she's at that point. But just to be aware enough to be like, I do not deserve the most at my own company. I have never heard anything like it. Ever. Yeah, that is... I mean, I heard the Costco guy is good. I heard the Patagonia guy is good. But like, I don't, you know, I don't really know about... how. <laughs> oh, I yeah, also saw... Well, yeah. I also saw this family um, having a birthday party at Costco, and I was like, that's fucking cute. Oh, my gosh. I really love the Costco pizza. I get a piece sometimes when I go to Costco and just sit there and have a nice little Costco pizza by myself. Because I know the Costco hot dog's the big item, but, you know, I can't have that. Um, And I'm a snob with when it comes to my hot dogs. I want a beef. I want a beef dog, baby. (laughs) Oh, guess what? So I went to McDonald's to get another Disney toy. I wanted to stab it again. You know, so last time, basically Disney is doing the 100 years of Disney. You can get any cute toy. I got Star Wars. So I go, I just want a cute toy. Like, can I just get Sully or Moana? Like, can I get Pluto? Please. I went back. I got another Star Wars set. I cannot believe that. Yeah. It's a different one. It's C-3PO. So I'll give it to Mateo. He really likes him. He thinks it's a gay robot. So... Uh, but I, I I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it that I got another Star Wars toy. Nobody wants this. Nobody. I, it's just like, what child knows and likes Star Wars? Like, that is for the parents. Like, no child is going, like, that is getting Happy Meals wants Star Wars. Unless I'm fully wrong. I did see some young Jedi toys when I went to the store. Whatever. I'm just, I'm pissed. Let's go. So, yeah, not to be too negative, you know, but... I just want a cute toy, you know? And (laughs) like, if I didn't know what the options were, it'd be another thing. But on the box, you see all the other cute things you could get. And you can't just say to the guy, do you have anything else back there? Or is that annoying? I drive away. No, I drive away. I open it and I go, motherfucker. I think next time we got to be doing a check on site. (laughs) And then we got to go, I'm sorry, sir. This is my second one. I can't, I can't, I can't have this again. Yeah, Get back there, dig I've around, been. and tell me, are you going to different McDonald's? Maybe that one's cursed. I went to the same one. I will go to a different one. I'm going to go to a different one and see. Because this guy at least let me buy the toy without buying food. But um, without buying a Happy Meal. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I think this year I'm going to try to get my kids on Santa's lap, which I've never done before. Where? And it's 
probably in West Virginia, which will be super interesting. I can't wait to see oh what the West God. Virginia Santa looks like. Um, just because like we're getting there on like the 21st, we're going to have like a few days to kill. I feel like, yeah, let's like go to a dying mall and see Santa, you know, like, and I mean, obviously I'll post the pics. Uh, I just, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens because I, I can tell Oscar's just going to like, they met Chuck E. Cheese um, last weekend, two weekends ago. I don't know if I told you. And later Rosie was like, did you know that Chucky was a human in a suit? And I was like, you know, I thought it might be just because mice are usually pretty small. And she was like, yes, you're right. <laughs> like, And then she was going around telling everybody, I met Chuck E. Cheese, but he was just a human in a suit. <laughs> she but is also so advanced. <laughs> Do you think she's going to like be, know Santa's a fraud too? She's going to catch me early, I can tell. Because I already go, well, we'll see what I can... I'll see what Santa brings you. You know what I mean? Like, we'll... Like, I just keep saying, like, I'll see what I can find. I mean, we'll see what Santa will put on uh, in his workshop. You know, like... So, but do you to, do any gifts from you or it's all Santa? Or are well, they, some from mom been, and dad? They've been so little in the past. Like, this is probably the first Christmas where Rosie will even understand, like, get, like, the Santa thing, really. Um, so I think, yeah, I'll say, oh, this is from us. Because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get them a couple of, like, bigger things. Those will be from us. That'll be back at the house when we get back from the trip. Because, like, I want to get them a little train table. I think that'll, like, keep them occupied. And uh, and I, that, we can't, like, fly with that, obviously. So that'll be like, oh, that's from us. But everything else will be, like, from Santa. Or, like, a couple big things from us and everything from Santa. And then they're so going to get be stuff wrapped from ready. their grandparents. They're going to get stuff from, you know, my, my, aunt, my brothers and sisters are probably going to get them shit. So... They're going to have way too much crap. You always get them really practical stuff. A train table? Yeah, it's like with the train tracks. You know what I mean? Like the Brio. I want to get them I like do. a Brio. Yeah. Because I think that that stuff's also like just, it holds up. It doesn't break. They will play with it for a long time and then I'll sell it when I'm done. You know? I, I try not to buy as much garbage plastic that's just going to like go into a landfill when it breaks. Like I bought Rosie two swimming chase dolls and they break immediately when she puts them in the bath. I got to stop. Oh, damn. That's a bummer. Yeah. The swimming chase cannot swim in case anyone's thinking about it for Christmas. He really can't. <laughs> he moves his little paws as fast as he can, but he cannot stay above water. Um, yeah, for when I brought gifts to the kids, I got one, the the Dalmatian, and then the girl. Oh, for Papa Sky. Troll. Those yes. are the two. Sky I and Marshall. I, yeah. I was not about to get kids cop shit. You know what no. I mean? And it's weird because Chase is like the most popular one. He's kind of like the head dog. And then Marshall, I would say, and Sky are seconds. Yeah. Marshall is the fire fire yeah. dog. Yeah. Yeah. The Dalmatian. Yeah. Wait, didn't we meet? We met, uh, or was I with Jared Goldstein? I met a Dalmatian in Vermont. Aww. And usually Dalmatian owners are like, on their own business, but this guy was really friendly and like let us, uh, like he like, let us talk to him and stuff. I heard a thing about Dalmatians a long time ago. I don't know if I've ever brought this yeah, up Yeah, we before. talked about it, that they're okay. bad, that they're the, bad for kids. No, no, not that. What I've heard is that Dalmatians are sympathetic dogs. Like, they need to have another Dalmatian with them. And so, like, after, like, 101 Dalmatians came out, there was, like, a huge, like, rush to go buy Dalmatian puppies, and then they were misbehaving and they were bad because they want another Dalmatian with them. And everyone was just buying one. And then everyone was returning them and there were all these Dalmatians at, like, shelters. And this was obviously, like, years and years and years ago. But that, like, that's the deal. Like, they, they want to be with another Dalmatian. 
Interesting. This guy was only one, but it was really cute. But I was like, I was like, this dog is so sweet. Like, why does everyone talk shit about Dalmatians being like bad? And he goes, well, they're inbred. They're going to have some problems. Well, (laughs) speaking of, speaking of, by the time this episode comes out, I think I'll be allowed to talk about it. But my brother and his husband are getting a dog. And it's a Frenchie. Of and course, I was that's, like, I was that's like that on brand. Yeah, I go. He goes. I know it's very gay. And I go. You got to get that insurance. Those things are so inbred. They get so many problems. And he really is like really super cute. He's perfect. I mean, they're perfect little dogs. But yeah, they are gonna snore and smell. He has like a really special color. I don't know. I. And he said, the dog's really chill. He doesn't bark a lot. But so now they're a little concerned because they're like, why is this puppy not like wriggly and freaking out? And like, you know, as, and he has a head tilt. So they're, 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 they're going to get him tested out. I think they're going to get him some What could be, what are they scared of? Like that he could be ill or something because he doesn't act like the rest of his siblings in the litter or whatever. And he's not, and he has this head tilt. Like, he's always he like this. just be a little quiet boy. I know. I but know. also what the Dalmatian guy said is they're very active dogs. Like, they need a lot of exercise. Yeah. And so when families get them, they're not, ta- they're not giving them the proper exercise they need. So, of course, they're misbehaving in the home. Like, except for you a particular person. Yeah, you got to run them. Yeah. But this Dalmatian I was petting was, like, very, very nice. I love that. I mean, I I can't believe that they're going to get it. Wait, what's your brother naming the dog? They, well, they're arguing about it because I think they want to name it Benjamin, like Benji. They want to call it Benji. But then Joe likes pretzel. And (laughs) like, I like pretzel. So they're, I know. So they're, I think they're, going back and forth. And like my brother Kevin was sending this meme from that show Letter Kenny that says like, animals, like human names are for humans. Like don't name dogs human names, I guess. So that would be a vote for Pretzel. I mean, Benji is cute. There's a movie, but Pretzel is adorable. It's ex-Colin for me right now saying I vote Pretzel. Okay. If my vote means anything, I'm voting Pretzel. Okay. (laughs) That is so cute because when you first said Benji, I was like, oh, that's cute. And then once Pretzel came out of your mouth, there's, there's nothing stopping me. Hold on, I'm gonna That's do it amazing. on voice to text. I'm I'm podcasting with Lisa right now, and she says her vote is for pretzel. <laughs> He's gonna be mad. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. I'm scared I, of the wrath of Colin. But no, I think not. it's cute. But I also think it's so funny that they're gonna get this dog right before we all descend on their home for the holidays. Like this new dog's gonna be like getting used to his house, and then we're gonna be like, "What's up?" It's four kids and a bunch of adults, <laughs> like in a little house. Not a little house. It's a big house, but in a house, not going outside much because it's December. It's just gonna be funny. It will be funny. I can't. How wait do to you see think him. about this? I'm going to a birthday party tonight. And yesterday I asked, so what's on the menu? What's the vibe? What what am I wearing? And I do love this, but a part of me is like, what? But it's going to be McDonald's. They're getting tons of cheeseburger nuggets and fries. And I'm just like... That actually tracks for me for this person. Like, I... There's not going to be any crudite. I mean, I'm not even a veggie person. Like, there needs to be another option. And I love McDonald's. Yeah. And I brought McDonald's to other gatherings that we've been to together, but it was like five of, like, I just. Yes. And for the Super Bowl party, like, we know someone, I remember one time someone came with tons of McDonald's and they were a hero, but there's like 
dozens of people and dozens of other options. And it's a Super Bowl party in the middle of the day. It's like different than like an adult birthday party evening, you know. I get it. Right? I was kind of like, huh, weird. I think maybe they're like, it's small. Everybody loves this. It's easy. Let's just fucking do that. I mean, I don't know. It kind of tracks for me for this person who's like a contrarian and is going to do something that's opposite of what you think and what you want, you know? You're right. So so contrarian. It's honestly, I can't. But what if I'm going to bring Pad Thai with me? (laughs) (laughs) You bring your own, you bring like your own shrimp cocktail platter. You're like, just wanted to class it up a little. Um, yeah, I love it. It's just, I think if you're hosting something, you should have other options, but you said it tracks for this, but like you would get there and you'd have nothing to eat. I mean, I would eat fries, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Colin texted me back and said, I admire her bravery. I don't really Because <laughs> he knows he's going to come for me. <laughs> You're dead. The next time they come and order duck together at a meal, you're dead. Um, All right. Before we get started on the episode, because Casey is about to kill us, let's just quickly remind you that we're going to be in Seattle on January 7th. Come see us. We're at the Wet City Comedy Festival. We really love this venue. We're at the Crocodile that's also called The Hereafter. It's an awesome venue that we've done. We actually, some of our first live shows were in the small room at this place. And I think now we're doing the bigger room. So we really want to see you guys there because we haven't been to Seattle in, yeah, a while, a year and a half. So come see us. And uh, the ticket link for that is at thatsmessuplive.com, also in our Instagram bio. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you guys. And thank you to everybody who came to see us on tour in 2023. We had the best time. We love meeting you guys. We love performing for you live. It's just like truly a treat. So thank you guys. Lisa, I don't know if you have any other words. Yeah, I hope everyone has a festive or non-festive holiday, whatever you feel like. Um, Whether you're eating Chinese uh, by yourself, watching, you know, Succession, or you're flying home to a father of the bride style house and having a full blown <laughs> Christmas, you know? Um, hope, yes. uh, hope it's either spectrum is what you want it to be. I yes. did have a moment where I was talking to someone that I know kind of casually and I asked about Thanksgiving. And then he was like, I did nothing. I was alone. I got high and drunk and watched television. And I went, great. But I'm not asking a follow-up, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we also but completely we also completely ignored Hanukkah. I will be lighting Hanukkah candles with my children. Uh that starts on December 7th, but you know, we oh, that's are in the so time long machine. Ago. We missed it. We missed it. Yeah, we're it, in the baby. time machine. We, we forgot Hanukkah. Sorry, Hanukkah. Happy Festivus. Happy Kwanzaa to everybody for whatever you celebrate, whatever you don't. We love you guys. And uh, I love the holiday season no matter what you celebrate. So let's yeah, get going. Yeah, I had going. a hot chocolate yesterday. Uh, I had a hot chocolate last weekend. It's time. It's just time. It's that time it's of year. It's time, baby. It's hot chocolate season. Yeah, I had a nice hot chocolate at Mel's. Oh, I, see, I get, I like the Starbucks hot chocolate. I do. I like, you know, what's the best hot chocolate well, coffee bean. <laughs> I'm not saying I would go out of my way to go to the Mel's for hot chocolate. That's just what I, you know, got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're a huge Mel's fan. You drive all the way to West Hollywood to get their hot chocolate every weekend. Listen, <laughs> we are starting now and we have a great episode for you guys. This is our holiday gift to you. Okay, guys, today we're doing an episode I love called Russian Brides. 
What's wild about this episode is I think of this as a Neil Barriers episode. I think I think of this as like a season seven, season eight, but it is season 13, a stabler-free time, episode seven. This came out in, uh, you know, 2011, the very end. It's There's a chill in the New York air. So uh, the episode opens, a hot babe is walking through empty New York City streets at night. No jacket, just a tight dress. Uh-oh. And... We don't see her face. We just see the back of her. Someone with a Russian accent pulls up in a car alongside her and is yelling, Angel, Angel, with like, so they're saying angel, but with a hard G. And he's like, stop. Where do you go, little girl? And I hate, I hate that. And um, she's getting scared and she starts running. And then he's screaming at her like, no, don't run away. But then it gets increasingly mad. And he's like, get in the car. And now she's like running up and down ramps. I think they're by the beach. It looks like she's going towards water. It's just so desolate. I just feel, I'm like, oh my God, why is there not one bodega, one person on the stoop, like one light? It's, It's so horrifying. This intro really makes me scared. It's really scary. It's like, I don't remember, like that's what people used to ask me, like, do you feel unsafe in New York? I'm like, I'm almost never walking on a street where there's not other people or lights on or cars going by. Like I never felt like I was in dark warehouse areas or alleys, you know what I mean? But that could have just been my experience. I just like really wasn't. Um, And so she's running up at this ramp, but a guy like cuts her off. So she runs back the other way. And now she's like screaming screaming and we hear her screams as this like big guy gets out of a car with like a heavy bag and starts walking towards wherever this girl is. So and it's very horror movie vibes cuz it's like you're running to a a port like a, a river yeah. like don't go by water to people who Yeah, like, are you going to swim? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, like, it's nothing good is happening with a guy walking towards you with, like, a heavy leather bag. So, hard cut to daylight. Two guys are taking out the trash outside of a restaurant. And I, I am obsessed with, like, the silly conversations that people are having right before they find the body. It's so funny. It's like, oh, my mother-in-law or, like, whatever. And this one is two guys talking about... One guy is like, you know how when you're outside, you got a brown bag, your alcohol, so you don't get a ticket? And his big Shark Tank idea is designer beer bags. He's like suede, leather, velour, like bling them out. And the other guy goes, yeah, they're called koozies. And he's like, oh, no way. Like he was fully ready to present the sharks with his idea. And then they notice, done, done, two legs sticking out from the side of the dumpster and undies are around the ankle. That's the international sign for call SVU. So now Benson is on the scene with Warner. This girl has no purse, no ID, and a butterfly tattoo. And she's face down on the ground. Yeah, she's face down on the ground. So the bus boys that found her said the body was not there an hour earlier and no one heard or saw shit. She was sexually assaulted and then had blunt force trauma to the head. They do a countdown to flip her over And it is not pretty on the other side. Amaro looks like he's about to toss his cookies, (laughs) which we've been talking about different words for barf in our live shows. And he goes, what is that acid? Like her face is just totally gone. And Melinda goes, it's mechanical, not chemical. So she also adds that they pulled her teeth as well. And they also cut off all her fingertips. And this is like one of the most brutal body 
Well, it reminds me of the TikTok trend, which was supposed to be like a joke where it's like women relaxing. And then in the background, it's like, they took off her eyes. They took off her finger. Yeah. Have you seen that? And it's like a yes. woman just like painting her nails in a robe. And yeah. Like that's like the ex- like um, an over-exaggeration and it's not in this episode. It's like, yeah, it really is brutal. It's 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 horrible. So... I wrote, Jesus, this one is brutal in capital letters. Uh, So now Eagle Eye Amaro spots another tattoo on her torso and the words are in Cyrillic. And he's like, any of you guys read Russian? And Benson goes, actually, it's the only language I don't speak. (laughs) So uh, there's no dental for this girl, no fingerprints, no face, but they leave the tattoos. That's weird. And Liv's like, well, they didn't want us to know who she is, but they wanted to make sure that someone got the message. Dun, dun, credits. So now, top of Act 1 at the precinct, the gang is Liv, Finn, and Rollins. And they're all downloading Cragen on the victim. White, late 20s, early 30s, assaulted, sexually murdered. No one saw or heard a thing. Amaro had a pal in the gang unit take a look at the tattoos. The butterfly is generic. She just loves Mariah Carey. But the other one is of a woman with a smoking gun and like a some words behind her. And he said that one is specific to the Russian mafia and was probably done back in Russia. And Olivia goes, the mark of a prostitute. And, you know, it's 20, it's 2011. She's not saying sex worker yet, but she should be. The words in Russian that are printed on the tattoo mean mother, forgive me. So the preliminary autopsy came in and there was sand on the body. Let's just say, I don't want to get, it's like so graphic, all of it, but like there's sand like in her canals. And, uh, cuts from glass and debris. So, you know, maybe she was at a beach or something. And the time of death was eight to 10 hours before she was found. So Cragen's like, so she was murdered on the beach and then dumped at the restaurant? It's usually the other way around. And Liv pipes up and goes, wait a minute. And I love this. She goes, didn't the ME get sand samples after the Gilgo Beach murders? Hell yeah, we've already covered the Gilgo Beach murders. And she's correct. The medical examiners did get a bunch of sand samples because they wanted to connect and see you know, whether the victims had been killed in the same place, et cetera, et cetera. So Rollins looks at the particle breakdown of the sand because we all know Rollins is like our makeshift Teru, like when they can't afford to like pay a Teru actor for the day. They're like, Rollins is a professional. She looks at the whole sand particle breakdown and is like, oh, we got lucky. It's from a repaired beach, meaning that the city spread the sand and there's only three repaired beaches in the area. Rockaway, Brighton Beach, and Coney Island. And Brighton Beach is still, you know, extremely Russian, Amaro points out, which who else, who wouldn't know that there? Who in that room would not know that? Like, he's like, yeah, they call it Odessa by the sea. It's like, wow, Amaro, thanks for the facts. Like, I know we have to, I know we have to telegraph that to the audience, but like the people in the room, they know about Brighton Beach. Like, John Hurd got, was a Russian mob uh, episode in like season five or something, remember? So they've been they've been talking to Russian mob people before. And Brighton Beach is where all of my trash family lives. So they are there and I can attest that it's it's like Chinatown for Russians. And Adiesa is where I was born. So and it is like a a sea town, a party town. Yeah. I have been to Brighton Beach only once with a Russian, and it was like we went to a Russian restaurant and it was fun. Yeah, I like it. It was after like, a day at Coney Island. Damn, that's just a long day. 
Did you go to like old, like a rush, like just a sit down restaurant or one where there's a band playing and it's like nonstop? No food? band, but it was a sit down. It was like dark and like red. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I like getting like, um, I guess it's everywhere, but people playing like chess on the beach, on the yeah. boardwalk. You can get little pirashkis, which are like, I don't know, doughy things with doughy things in it. No, mashed potatoes <laughs> in it. But yeah, I would say that I don't like that part of the family. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. I'm sure they they're probably don't listen. Well, I always am like, I, it's a sliding doors situation. Like I always think if my family moved there instead of Chicago, what my life would be like. Right. Like yeah. I wonder if I would, because you don't really assimilate in any way because you're just living in a community with all your old school people. Sure. And it like the people I follow that I know, like there was one co-counselor from Fat Camp that's there. And uh, like looking at her photos, it's just, it's such a different world. Yeah, yeah, I wonder what would have happened. Brighton Beach, Lisa would be so I mean, different. It is so close to New York. I could have maybe escaped, but like, I just, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder what my accent would be like. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's so funny. But the Russian um, mob I'm is scary. It's all scary. Uh, Tim Dillon recently was saying like, like Russia's old school, you know, they just exploded a plane a few months ago to kill one person. Yes. And he's just like, Russia's old school. Like, they don't give a fuck. They'll they'll There's put down just, a whole plane. Yeah. It's scary. I mean, I know Putin that from will the Americans. Poison you. <laughs> yeah. Putin will poison you in a different country when you least expect it. Like, it is. I'm even scared saying anything on this podcast <laughs> right now about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I feel about Scientology. Okay. Oh, but um, I did get some scoop recently. Um, that I, Where did I find it? I think I told you in the car during our road trip, but that... Porn stars say that Putin loves American porn stars and that porn stars are flown out and then he fucks them while seven security guards watch. You did tell me that. Yeah. So, but that's, it reminds me of Kim Jong-un like loving Dennis Rodman in 90s basketball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're so against the culture, but then they just like want porn and sports. What were our biggest, our best exports? This is how we have to get Putin though. This is how we take out Putin is like we train a porn star to be like a Manchurian candidate, you know, like something activates them and they turn but it into would an be, assassin. Yeah, but it would be a suicide mission since the seven right. security guards watch. So like, I don't know right. how you convince a girl to do that, but. Well, she ha it has to be like a movie where she can take them all out. You know, she's that good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a movie we're going to make. Um, but anyway, so then Cragen tells them to track down this girl's identity using the butterfly tattoo because this other Russian mafia tattoo is going to scare people off. So cut to Finn and Amaro at Brighton Beach asking around. And guess what? No one's talking, baby. Finn's like, a lot of these people are undocumented, so they don't love talking to cops. And it's like, yeah, they're not going to open up and tell you anything. And Finn says, witnesses are like children. They respond to bribes and threats. And Amaro adds, and they're easy to trick. And I'm like, yeah, Zara does seem dumb. Sorry. I don't mean to talk badly. She is just a child on a television show, though. She doesn't seem the smartest. Um, it's not her fault. Her parents have no love between them, and the mom is constantly deployed. So, yeah. And the dad <laughs> yeah. is constantly shooting unarmed teens. So, <laughs> she's gonna have some issues. But I will agree, bribes and threats are very effective. So, now they're at a restaurant 
Russian music is playing. A blonde woman is yelling at employees in Russian. I'm I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, Lisa will tell me what she's saying. But you said that it's like, she's just being like, hurry up, you dumb idiots. Like, hurry up, there's a party or whatever. So there's a hilarious poster on the wall that has like pink laser backgrounds of an 80s school photo. And it's all these pictures of people that come into the restaurant, I guess. Like my old bar in college had that, just like f- a bunch of like collage pictures of people drinking at the bar. I feel like um, my old mo- dentist had that. <laughs> That's so funny. Like people just like thumbs upping with their white. Well, he smiles. was like a he was like a kid dentist, so it was just like yeah. smiling, cute kids. Cute. I send my never mind. I was like, I sent my OBGYN one Christmas card to be like, here are the kids you helped delivered, and I, I don't know if we made the wall. Wait, um, did anyway. you see the video of Adele at her concert singing, and then all of a sudden she starts like crying, and she notices the doctor that delivered her son was in the audience, no. and she stops singing. She like hugs him and. And makes announcement and is like fully crying. She's very emotional when she sings, and and her songs are emotional. But there was another clip I saw where she saw a mom up uh, um, in the higher level, like holding a baby, like rocking a baby to sleep, and she just started bawling at the idea of that. Like she's just Aww. very emotional. I think when she sings, oh, love Adele. Um, All right, from Adele's emotions to this Russian restaurant photo collage, Amaro notices that there's one picture where a guy is smiling at a woman. We can't see her face, but her butterfly tattoo is visible in the shot. How perfect. So they ask bossy blonde woman, what's up? And she goes, nope, don't know her, don't speak English. And Finn's like, all right, let's call INS and get some translators down here and just shut this place down while we wait. Huge spoiler, she speaks English. She's like, no, we have a huge party coming in. Like, I don't need the fuzz shutting me down. Like, she came tells them that her name is Lena and that the guy she's with is named Daniel. They had their engagement party at the restaurant last Friday. Amaro's like, show me the receipts. So at the morgue, Amaro tells Olivia that the girl's name is Lena and that the fiance is Daniel Carter, age 48. He's got two kids in college and runs a nonprofit, lives in Kipps Bay. No connection to the mob that they can see and lives like, but we know the stats. It's like almost always the man in the victim's life. And Amaro's like, yeah, that's why I believe in divorce. When you feel that thing building, you just got to get the hell out. And I'm like, you literally let your bad marriage fester for years. You didn't get the hell out until she got the hell out. <laughs> like, he's such a hypocrite. And lives like, oh, are your parents divorced? Amaro's like, yeah. My, my dad also liked to beat my mom. We had a party the day he left. It was one of the best days of my life. Last he heard, his dad was in Miami, good riddance. We know later Amaro's dad comes back into the picture and he says to Liv, TMI, and Liv goes, no. And then Amaro's like, all right, I guess if we're sharing, what about your dad? And Liv's like, uh, we'll save that for another time. We don't have time for all that. Just then Melinda comes in to give us more horrible details about this woman's murder. The head wound is what caused her death, but they also sexually assaulted her using power tools to sand off her face and sawed off her fingertips, but she was dead for most of it. And honestly, we knew all this. I don't know why we had to come to the morgue and hear it again. She's really not telling us anything we didn't already hear at the crime scene. So it's just to hammer home the horrificness of the crime. So it turns out that this fiance, his job is running a nonprofit. What does the nonprofit do? They build houses for the homeless. And Liv goes, that gives him access to power tools. And I'm like, yeah, the entire population has access to power tools. Like, Home Depots are everywhere. But yes, this man may have had extra access to power tools. At Daniel Carter's apartment, the super is letting them in. And he's 
He's like a weird super character. Like he, he's like, oh yeah, Daniel and I play chess every day. One move a day. It's like, wow, that sounds like thrilling. Uh, he knocks on the door. He's like, Mr. Carter, no one answers. And he's like, what's going on guys? And, and uh, you know, Rollins is like, we ask the questions around here. And Finn's like, open up the door or we'll knock it down. Cause he hesitates about opening the door. And then Finn and Rollins enter, guns drawn. The place is clear. They check out the very photoshopped photos of Lena and Daniel on like vacation and at parties or whatever. And the super is like, there's no way he would hurt her. She was his sunshine. And they're like, why don't you call him and find out where he is? And so the guy calls Daniel and Daniel's like, is Lena there? And he's like, uh, no boss, there's a package I can't sign for. You got to get home. And Daniel's like, I can't leave where I am. And he hangs up on him. And the super's like, he sounds scared. So they take the phone to trace the call. Next, we have Amaro and Liv kind of on the scene, but the area is too big. They couldn't trace the call to a small enough area. So they're ish near where maybe the call came from. Liv says that Rollins heard kids and music on the phone call. And Liv's like, oh, there's a carousel right at the end of the pier. So we found a body there last fall. And I bet Olivia would have a great like bus tour of New York City. She'd be like, that's where we found this body. That's where I had a shootout. And I almost died in front of my son. Like I would totally take the Olivia Benson New York City bus tour instead of the Sex and the City one. So they book it over to the carousel and the music is playing and they spot Daniel. And this actor is Timothy Busfield. He became famous for the show 30-something, I think, was his big claim to fame. But then he later was on West Wing and Studio 60. So he's a Sorkin head. And he's been in a ton of stuff, like you recognize him. And uh, they ID themselves as cops. And he's like, no, go away, go away. I didn't call you, they'll kill her. And he's like, please go away. And Liv's like serious face tells him something bad is going on. And he looks so sad. He's like, is she dead? And he starts crying. And he's like, they said they'd bring her here. That was the deal I paid. And he's like breaking down, crying on his knees. And he's just crying. I've been saying, I paid, I paid over and over again. So this is very sad. Act two, at the precinct, they're bringing Daniel into interrogation, the wooden blinds kind. He did just lose his fiance. And our buddy, Michael Kostroff is there. And he plays on many episodes of the show, defense attorney Evan Braun. But I think here, even though he might be listed on IMDb as that, it seems he's playing a different character because he's like a tax attorney who's just helping his friend. He's like friends with Daniel. Or maybe he's a tax attorney who then gets a taste for criminal law and changes. I, I, but I literally <laughs> wrote in my notes, do people change specialties in law like this? Like, does anyone go from tax law to criminal like later? I but feel I don't like think so. I think it's like usually go from doing the Lord's work to money. That's the big yeah. law switch. They're like, I'm going to help people. And then they're like, get me the fuck out of here. And I want a down payment. <laughs> That's what yeah. happens. So they, he's like, listen, this is my friend. He lost his wife three years ago. Lena brought him back to life. I told him to cooperate with you, but go easy on him. And Liv's like, yeah, are you a criminal attorney? And he's like, tax law. Um, so... I don't know. And Liv's like, just tell your guy to tell the truth. So in interrogation, Daniel is IDing the tattoos. He's like, yeah, the butterfly was on her shoulder. The smoking gun lady one is on her like torso. He's a little embarrassed to admit that they met on a Russian bride website called yourzarena.com. And Liv goes, yeah, we've seen scams through sites like that. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, Look, I ha heard about it from a friend who used to go to Russia on business, meet eight to 10 girls from the site, fuck all of them, marry none of them. He goes, my friend was divorced, so it was just a sex trip for him. He said, 
you know, I was going through a really lonely time. So I just kind of started trolling the site. Then I saw Lena's profile and there was just something about her, a Vanderpump sandwich shop that will never be open, unfortunately. And they chatted over IM, he said a little bit. Casey looks worried. They're just dealing with a lot of permits because West Hollywood is crazy. The hope they will open. Okay. I believe in it. I was concerned. <laughs> I know. That I saw something that happened to this. this I'm shop. nervous. I'm nervous. We're never. No, like, they just that. talked about it in Vegas at the panel at BravoCon. Okay. They were just like, okay. "Listen, opening up something in West Hollywood is hard." They're like, "We have to change the water heater." She's like, "The shit is so boring," and she's like, "It's just taking forever." And that's what you hear all the time about people opening restaurants. And when you see, it's like always behind schedule. Yeah. Kara doesn't think it's opening. She's a bitch. I do. I'm I support hoping. women. I support women, Girl, Kara. I support women. <laughs> and at that sandwich tasting party, there were like 10 of them I wanted to try. I'm dying for it to open. I'll drive 35 minutes to get there. I'm just skeptical. Can't Lisa push some buttons? And I make know. Some it's phone like Lisa Vanderpump's want, opening a restaurant. They don't want her involved. Minutes, I don't think they want her help. Okay. I don't yeah. think they want her help at all. But, um, I have a Miley Cyrus one. It's Celebs on Sandwiches. I don't know if you follow that, but they just made one for Katie and Ariana with the Greek salad sandwich. Oh. So yeah, it's there's happening. like a green goddess one I want to try too. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry for doubting the um, viability of this uh this Vanderpump sandwich shop. I do hope it happens. Um, they chatted over IM, Daniel and Lena, a little bit because you're not allowed to Skype or anything. You just like can talk on instant messenger. And then if you are, if you're one of our younger listeners, that was when we used to text message through the computer and he had to fly to Moscow to meet her. And she took him all around St. Petersburg where his family is originally from. And then he shows them a super Photoshop picture of them on his phone. Like, and in front of it, like, you know, in front of some monument in St. Petersburg. They talked and talked. He said they had a real soul connection. And they're like, oh, okay. So was it reciprocal? Did you meet her friends and family? And he goes, well, she had to be really careful because she'd been in an abusive relationship and her ex was stalking her. He saw the, the ex, like he was following them and he made a scene one night wanting to get her back. And that's when he convinced her to move to America with him. And he was happy to get a second chance at love. They lived together two months before this disappearance and, you know, murder. So he says the night after the engagement party, he got a call from kidnappers demanding $100,000. He said he only had 80K, but it was his life savings. He didn't even blink an eye and paid the ransom. He didn't call the police because obviously they said, if you call the police, we'll kill her. And he dropped the money in a garbage can in Brighton Beach and they were supposed to bring her to the carousel. He gave them everything he had and they still killed her. This is a very sad sad story. They start going through tons of pictures of his trip to Russia, asking him like, hey, like, don't focus on like your dead fiance that you're obsessed with. Like, focus on people in the background. Like, does anyone look suspicious? Maybe you spot the ex. And there's a scene of them like dancing to some musicians in a square. And in the background, they zoom in. There's this bald, menacing man taking photos with like a sharpshooter high-res camera. Menacing is the perfect word. This is a scary man. Yeah, this guy is scary as fuck and he's just like staring at them, taking pictures and yeah, it's wild. No one really noticed. Um, And they zoom in and Daniel goes, that's him, that's the ex. So Cragen's like, all right, let's run this guy's mug through facial recognition database, which sounds less fun than IMDb, Interpol, NCIC, whatever. And then Rollins is like, I got a little something on this Zarina website. They're hosted by a rogue provider with an office in Manhattan that does security called Quick Secure. And so- I mean, they just, it's like a horrible name for a business. At the quick secure office, a nerd is telling them, 
I don't really know anything about that site except someone wired in money for it from an offshore account. And then like computer whiz kid Rollins is like, okay, cool. So just like give us the IP address and the wire info and we'll be on our way. And he goes, uh, I can't do that because of privacy. And so why don't you come back with a warrant? And then Rollins and Finn get straight up like bully mode. Finn gets in the nerd's face and goes, first spit that lollipop out before I smack it out your mouth. And he goes, you're not a five-year-old, which I love. Like that to me goes, if you puke in my car, I'll kill you. That should be on a sweatshirt that you're wearing through the airport multiple times. You're not a five-year-old. Spit that lollipop out, you fucking punk. And Rollins well, let me is check like, the embassy store and see if there's any yeah. Finn merch. Rollins is like, hey, punk, you want a warrant? We'll bring in the feds and this place is a front and your server is illegal. So don't fuck with us. And Finn's like, we're going to shut this down. Put your ass in jail. Well, you're going to be sucking on something else. And it's like, I don't normally love like you're going to get raped in jail jokes, but they're going so hard at this little nerd. And it is really funny to see him just be like, uh, uh, like, and he just goes, all right, I'll help you. Don't call the feds. And so he writes Wait, down the Kara, last- Wait, Kara, did you know that yeah. there's a Law & Order SVU uh, monopoly? No, we got to get that. We have to, but it's like, I don't want to go to anywhere they go. Like, do I buy Sing Sing? Like, how does it work? <laughs> yeah, like... I'm trying to zoom in, but it's like, You got like, when you go to jail, it's like, you're going to Danamora. Like, what the <laughs> hell? What happens? Yeah, I would love to see that. We got to play. So the nerd is like, here's where the last place this site was logged into and changed. And he's like, are we good? And they're like, yep, all good. And then right as they leave, the feds storm in. They're like, everybody get, drop your computers. And the nerd's like, oh, come on, you lied to me. And Finn goes, yep. And Rollins goes, ain't life a bitch. <laughs> and it's like, it's a very funny Rollins and Finn just like fucking with this guy. And they fuck him over as well. At the address that he gives them, it's a Russian woman behind a desktop insisting that she's running a travel agency. She's like, I get you a flight and a hotel. You find the bride yourself. She's like, you can check all my shit. I have nothing to hide. Meanwhile, right behind her is like the shadiest man of all time, trembling, looking over his shoulder, dragging files to the trash as quick as possible. Like he's a full cartoon character. Amaro notices and is like, um, hello. And he starts to run. They grab him. He runs right out onto like the Brighton Beach boardwalk. Like his business is right there. They're on the boardwalk. And then a bunch of cartoon character Russian mobsters are just standing there like smoking cigarettes, watching him get arrested, like on the boardwalk in front of everyone. So it's very clear like what's happening here. And now we're in interrogation. This guy gets metal bars and he's like, I'm a travel agent. I just book flights. And it's like, sure, Jan. And then they show him the photo of the photographer in Daniel's photo. And he's like, oh, holy shit. You guys have no clue who you're dealing with, do you? Like, that guy's a killer. He lives by the code. He's Vorvzakonia, which means thief-in-law, or basically the, mush the Russian mafia. Like, I Googled it, and it was like, it translates to thief-in-law, I guess. And then it's, um, that's like the nickname for the Russian mafia. Well, yeah, because like, like the Cosa Nostra is, in Italian. Zakon is law. Yeah. So I wonder... What the oh, yeah, so is. I think when they say thief in law, they basically mean like you're a bad guy, but you also like run the town. Like you, you're like, it's legal to be a bad part, like a, a criminal, which is I wonder which mob is the word. Like if all the mobs came together to do a full on battle, 300 yeah. style, like who is winning? Yeah. Because like classically, there's Italian, there's Yakuza. Irish. There's the Yakuza, there's Chinese mob, there's uh, Russian. Yeah, who knows? 
And like, is there a Canadian mob or do all these cultures come into Canada and run it? Like, because the Italian mob's here, right? Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. Wait, what's the, do the your impression of uh, Big Ange. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So he just got out of jail for murder. It's the best. Oh my God. It's the best. Yeah. I am so, well, because I have like um, the book set of like Russian criminal tattoos. There's just something that is scary about my people. <laughs> like, I don't know. I am nervous. Yeah. But there's an episode of This Is Actually Happening, a podcast on Wondry, and they have an episode of like the Yakuza came after me. Like they went to Japan and got in the mix, like in the mix of something, but obviously survived. Oh I remember listening God. to it. But um, isn't there? Isn't that kind of what Burt Kreischer's movie is about? Like he goes to like Prague and like fucks with the wrong people, and like the mob is after him. Yeah, but it's the machine. It's Russian. It's machina. So oh. like, yeah. It, so I don't know. I haven't watched it, but Me that's neither. obviously what got my sister and everyone involved. If you do a joke about anything remotely Russian, my sister will find it. Like, she loves Dan Soder's <laughs> She's searching joke. the hashtag. <laughs> like, Dan Soder used to have an old-ass joke. This is so long ago on Conan, where it was just like, um, if you're in a bad neighborhood and you feel nervous, if someone fucks with you, just speak in a Russian accent and they will be scared. Just be like, I'm really bad at accents, but it's like, this is a bad neighborhood. And like, uh, <laughs> that people... <laughs> it's that, so like, funny that you can't scared. do a Russian accent... I can't do any accents. I'm so bad at it. But your Russian accent would just be like imitating your parents speaking English. Yeah, I'm really bad at imitations and impressions. It's so funny. You've seen my accent videos. Oh, I know, but I just (laughs) thought of all of them that you'd be able to do Russian. And I mean, look, I've heard Jamaican. I've heard other ones. They're not good. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't know if it's because I'm not commit. Like, I'm too embarrassed. Like, I don't know what comes over me, but like, I can't commit and I cannot do it and I flop. I, fl- I so flop funny. at an accent impression. It just never sounds the way it should. I want to send you an old web series I did where I was a Russian stripper. Oh my and God, I was doing yes. a Russian accent. I think, I think everyone listening would like to see that as well. Yeah. Maybe that's an Instagram <laughs> Maybe post. Maybe that's a way to publish it. So I'm on the website. So the only iced tea sweatshirt just says, um, Detective Finn Tutuola, Real Street Justice. So that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's They're not the obviously one. getting the nuances of Finn's um of Finn's vocabulary and uh, <laughs> catchphrases. Oh my god, wait. They have flip-flops that say done done on each flop. That's kind of cute. That's really fun. Like slides? No, like flip-flops. Oh. Like oh, on the, the done, heel is the on foot. the foot. Got it. On the foot. All right. <sighs> So uh, we're back. This we're guy just is like, like, like to power saw someone's face off. Like that is oh sick. God. That is that a is level of sick, sick. My brain, like I can't even fathom. Acid is more. Seems more chill than power yeah. sawing, sanding a face off. Horrible, horrid. Um, and this guy looks scary. I mean, it is scary. And this also reminds me of Orange is the New Black, like with red, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Red was in too deep. So 
This guy is like, you don't get it. This guy's full Russian mob. If I talk to you, he'll kill my family, my friends, my dog. And they're like, all right, cool, no problem. We're just gonna release you right back onto the boardwalk where everybody saw your ass get arrested. And he's like, oh my God, you're right. And they're like, you help us, we'll help you. And he's like, okay, the guy's name is Liev Bodrov, AKA The Butcher. Not a great nickname. He's wanted on multiple charges of murder, prostitution, racketeering. He was doing time in a gulag in Siberia in the 90s, but he escaped and he's been on the run ever since. Interpol says four other murders in Moscow, Johannesburg, Vancouver, and Munich all fit this MO. And in How is he case, traveling? By boat? I know. Uh, he doesn't have a passport. How is he getting all over? He probably has a fake passport. And to escape a gulag, like, fuck, man. It's yeah, just... like, how did you get through Siberia to fucking back to, like, civilization, you know? It's so scary. It's really yeah. terrifying. They said in each of these four international murders, the victim was found faceless, toothless, fingertipless, no way to trace them, and they all had this same mother-forgive-me tattoo. And then they realize, oh, this guy brands them so that the mark will know that his Zarina is dead. So now, top of act three, Liv enters this diner and she's meeting Daniel, the, you know, the fiance of our victim. And he's got a cap on. He seems cagey and paranoid. He says he couldn't risk going to the precinct. He did his own search online and he found one of my favorite SVU websites in the SVU canon of horrible websites that they make. This one actually is one of the, looks like one of the best. Uh, he finds the website russianswans.com and he finds a profile for a woman named Irene. And he goes, it's a different haircut and a different color, but that's Lena. And he goes, she's alive and lives like, you don't know when this picture was taken. He goes, yes, I do. The necklace she's wearing in the picture is a necklace I gave her at our engagement party. So she disappeared the next day. So this is a very recent photo that she's dyed her hair and already put up a new profile. They don't let, they don't let a second go by before they get her back up on these sites. He knows he's been played. They faked everything and lives like, yeah, but we still have a body. So like somebody did die, even though your fiance might still be alive. So, um, Liv goes, how do you set up a date on a website like this? Cut to Amaro and Cragen in a walk and talk with the heiress to the Cabot cheese empire, Alexandra Cabot. I wish she was, but she's not. They're pitching her their idea to set up an undercover detective on a date with Irene slash Lena. It needs to be her type, older, lonely, with money. They need a, they need the warrant quickly. And Alex is like, cool, I'll see if there's any old lonelies that fit your profile. And Daddy Cragen is like, reporting for duty, put me in, coach. He goes, I'm gonna take it. And she says... When was the last time you were undercover? He goes, probably before you and Amara were even born. And it's like, you're not that old, Kragen. And Cabot's like, remember, it's tempting, but you cannot fuck the suspect. It will undermine your credibility at trial. And it's like, it's it's just weird the way she says that to him. Like, tisk tisk, Kragen. I know you're a horny old guy, but you can't fuck these girls. And Kragen's like, okay, Alex, I'll try to control myself. At the precinct, they set up a computer where Cragen can DM with Irene. They're trying to give him tips like he hasn't been doing this since the fucking dawn of time. And he's like, I got it. So Finn makes a crack that Cragen actually has a fat bank account because he sure as shit ain't buying any new clothes. And Cragen's like, thanks for the help, dicks. I got to go get ready for my cyber date. And uh, Finn goes, knock it out, killer. And I love that. And Cragen goes, I heard that. And it's, they're having a cute friendship day at the precinct. At the Duchess Hotel in Midtown, Cragen is at the bar. Rollins is undercover as a slut. She's like leaning over at the bar, drinking a flirty face. She's telling Cragen, like, remember, the goal is get her up to your room. And she's like, you'll do fine. You look great. And he's like, and it's like, she's relentless. Like, she just has to flirt. And it's like, 
but I do think that gave Craig a little boost, you know? I bet he was like, okay, Rollins says I look hot. Irene walks up and we find out that Craig is undercover as someone named Michael. And this actress that plays Irene slash Lena is Isabella Miko, and she's actually Polish, and she's been in a lot of stuff and other Dick Wolf stuff like Chicago Fire, I think, but she was in Coyote Ugly. Are you, is, that, is that a movie that means anything to you? Yeah, I watched it, and the song, I love I, Leanne Rhymes. Yes, I love that, and I think she's in the video for uh, Can't Bite the Moonlight because I think the video is part of the movie, but she's like the hot blonde girl that works at the bar. So I love this. He tells her how pretty she is. He says, I've got a face for radio. She's like, you have kind eyes. It's going it's going great just from the jump. Cragen has a club soda, confesses he doesn't drink. And Irene is like, wow, new experiences, a man who doesn't drink. And then she orders an orange juice. It's like, girl, you don't have to have an OJ. Like, it's not a breakfast date. So I don't know. I've never ordered an orange juice at a bar in my entire life. Like, I would say, can I have a soda? Can I have club soda with cranberry? Something. This is weird. An OJ at a nighttime hotel bar. So they're chatting. He's making up that he works for the Children's Rights Coalition. He's saying standing up for victims who have no voice is his job. He says he worries about his staff. The work takes a toll on them. You know, the camera cuts to Finn and Benson, obviously, like his children that are traumatized by the day-to-day work they have to do. Finn is staring straight at Cragen during this. Like, he has zero chill. He's just at the bar staring at their date. Um, Irene is like, it sounds like you worry about the children and you worry about your staff, but who worries about you? And he admits he was married, but he's a widower. And uh, Marge was his wife. He lost her a long time ago. They had no children. Uh, There was a miscarriage. They tried to adopt, but he was just too busy all the time. And it's his biggest regret. And you you can see Liv can hear what he's saying to her in the mic. And she might be the only one. Like she's listening to it in an earpiece. And um, she goes, you're a man. It's not too late. Be a 70-year-old dad. It's fine. Robert De Niro's doing it. So now Cragen is like, enough of my violins. What's your deal, sis? And she goes, I just want to have fun tonight. I don't really want to tell you my sob story. So they're flirting, they're clicking, they're vibing. He says one of my favorite lines that he says is one of his bartender's old lines. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And she goes, I don't want to go home. And he's like, I've got a room upstairs with a great view of his dick. And so he, they go upstairs she kisses him in the hallway and he kind of pulls away and he goes, I'm a little old fashioned. And she's like, but you got a room. And this immediately tips her off. She's suspicious. She goes, uh, let's do a second date and starts to leave. Cragen like radios into his sleeve. She's on the move. She's on the move. Go, go, go. Rollins and Finn stop her before she can get out of the hallway. And she's like, please, you don't understand. You can't arrest me. You don't understand. You have to help me. And she, she's like, please, whoever you are, like looking Cragen straight in the face, like our connection is real. Help me. So top of act four, they're, they're in the hotel room. Finn is telling Cragen, he's, he's like, don't have a drink, Captain. I know that's what you want. And he's like upset because he's like, at the end, she made me. Like, he's really upset that she made him, like figured out he was a cop. And so uh, next, they're in another hotel room and they're explaining to Irene, we don't even want you. It's Liev we want. We can relocate you. We can do witness protection. We can help you. And she's like, you don't understand. I have a daughter and Liev already has her. He's going to kill her if he finds out I'm with the police. And this is how he controls people. He runs the mail order bride sites here and in Russia. And it's just a front for his blackmail operation and for prostitution. Liv goes, okay, tell us how the scam works. And it's like, I think we all get it. 
I think we all have figured it out at this point. She goes, okay, I meet wealthy men on the site. I make them fall in love with me. I tell them about my jealous ex and then I get kidnapped and get, they pay a ransom and Liev takes their money. And Finn's like, but you forgot about how he kills and disfigures girls that are supposed to be you. She goes, at first, I didn't know that he was killing the girls. And apparently they're like just random sex workers who work for Liev that they're illegal. No one, they have no family. No one's gonna quote unquote miss them. And uh, so the Russian tattoo is his brand. That's why he does that. And then the butterfly, she had that from before and Liev told her it made her look like it made her special. So Liv's like, well, I guess you are special because you live and they die and pretty horrifically. So Irene's like, I beg to stop. He won't let me. He says, I'm the best. He has me trapped. He moves my daughter from country to country. So I have no idea where she is at any, any given time. Every once in a while, he lets me see her for a few hours in a safe house. Then he just takes her away again. She's like, where's my phone? I'll show you. And then she shows them a picture of her little daughter named Anna. Rollins checks on Irene's record. She's in the States on an expired work visa, but has no record in Russia, like no criminal record. And they, she back, she does back it up that she has a four-year-old daughter. As far as Liev knows, she's like fucking quote-unquote Michael right now, Daddy Cragen. So he doesn't yet know that she's been intercepted by the police. They go talk to her. They're like, girl, you're in big trouble. Help yourself by getting, by helping us. She's like, I want my daughter back. They're like, okay, you got to tell us everything. You got to testify. She's like, fuck no. And Cragen's like, all right, well then what would the next step be in our whole encounter tonight? And she's like, well, I would call him and tell him that I have a big fish on the hook. And so they're like, all right, call him and set it up. So now, cut to the next day, they're at the frying pan, which, excuse me, is one of my favorite little places to go to in New York. And I was just there in July. And it is a very random place for this all to go down. But I can see why they did it. It's a big open space bar that is really close to their studios. It's near Chelsea Piers. So it's very close to the SVU studios. I bet that's why they're there. Everyone is sitting around alone. All the cops are sitting at separate tables with like a half drunk beer just by themselves. Like no one's even pretending to have any friends. And uh, Lena is like, talking to Craig and they're at a table pretending to be cozy. And she's like, I know you think I'm a dirty liar, but we have to look like we want to fuck. So could you at least smile and get closer to me? And she's like, I'm going to kiss you. And she goes in for a long kiss and then says, thank you for helping me get my Anna back. So she's still like trying to charm Craig in. They spot Liev entering the bar and he looks like I mean, the scariest. not to be rude, but it is just such a psyche of like men where it's like, Lena doesn't like you. You yeah. know, and he's undercover, but it's this idea that these do like, of course, there's a scam. You're you're on a site to find someone that's so hot. Like, what do you think is going on here? It is confusing. But this is how they got him in the Carissa episodes, right? Because he felt really he felt even just having somebody to talk to. I think he's just been lonely for such a long time. And like, I'm not hating on Craig and I'm hating yeah. on like dudes that go into this full faith. Like, yeah, I'm just going to get the hottest woman in Russia and <laughs> yeah. she's going to be obsessed with me and happy with our lives. And it's like, what what is going on in your brain yes. that is, you know, because this is my big theory. Like when women are not um, finding a partner or like they can't get it together, it's like, what's wrong with me? And when men can't get someone, it's like, well, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with all women? Yes. Yeah, I, I got to go mass shoot, you know? And it's like, it, it is so wild. Like I just, I just feel I would be suspicious. I'd be like, what's going on here? Um, yeah. And for... These dudes, they're like, absolutely, someone like Lena would want to be with me. Yeah, this makes sense. 
And, you know, obviously everyone has a lot to offer in different ways. It's just like, I don't feel bad for these guys that are tricked. I do. I do. I do. I do. Well, your point gets reiterated, I think, at the end. Hold on. So... This guy walks in, Liev. He is such a scary motherfucker, but he's also wearing a white turtleneck. So it's an interesting wardrobe choice. And um, <laughs> the like, <laughs> the cops surround him. He immediately like makes the cops. He sees Rollins. He sees Amaro with their half drunk beers. And he's like, these are cops. Like he, he can like tell immediately. Cops surround him. They're like, so there's nowhere to run. He shoots at Amaro and then Rollins shoots him like dead in the chest. And Lena comes running over like, no, 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 no. Where's my daughter? Where is she wears Anna and they're like, let go. Like he's dead. She's devastated. He's, she's like, we'll never find her. The soul, his soldiers will kill her. And then Liev's phone rings in his pocket and it's a text in Russian saying, where do we meet? And saying, we have Anna. Wow. She's in New York. What a great coincidence. So she remembers one safe house location in Brighton beach. So obviously the plan is send this, this soldier with Anna to this safe house and we'll go intercept her. At the safe house location, the cops and tons of backup invests and like the whole gear are moving in on the safe house. Cragen is in the back of a car with Lena, like a cop car. Tons of shots ring out and they say, and we hear officer down. So Cragen leaves Lena, rushes in. The officer that's down is Finn, but his bulletproof vest caught the bullet. So whew. Crisis averted. Finn is fine. Liv says, I searched the whole house room by room. No sign of the kid. We hear more shots fired. They go outside and holy shit, the cop that was in the driver's seat of the car that Lena and Cragen were just in is dead, like shot in the head. She's gone and she must have his gun. How did she get it from him? Like, I don't know. There's no great. Like they're, maybe they're not one of those cop cars that has the great. I thought they all did. Liv radios it in and then goes, I want this bitch caught now. And Liv is activated. Like it is hilarious. There is a chase. Lena's running down all these corridors. They're following her. They're in alleys behind the houses. They're following her. Amaro's chasing her, corners her, but she's trying to climb through a hole in the fence. She gets through, but Craig and Liv are on the other side. They run up on her. She's caught, but she has this sly grin on her face and she starts staring at Craig and like smiling as they cuff her. So you kind of know she's psycho, but it's like, bitch, you're still going to jail. You just killed a cop. Like you're going to jail forever. So back at the precinct, Liv is filling Daniel Carter in on the whole scam. And it turns out Lena did have a daughter, but the daughter was murdered four years ago. Liev killed the killers. And so she's been in his debt ever since. And they work as a team. So she took the story and manipulated it. Yeah. So he's like, like you're saying, maybe he made her do it. Like, there's no way she scammed me. This hot lady wants to be with me. She's not a killer. Like, you know, it's like what you're talking about. So they're like, bro, she shot a 22-year-old police officer at point-blank range, like, and killed him. They're like, maybe Liev brought her into the game, but she's fully crossed over. There's another side to her, he says. And it's like, you're like, I felt bad for you at the beginning, but now it's like, you're being obtuse. Like, stop. And Cragen's like, I believe you. I believe you saw the other side. Because I feel like maybe Cragen's like, I kind of saw the other side, but it's like she was playing you. And so the guy, just Cragen going, I believe you. The guy goes, all right, I'll testify. Whatever you need. Like he fully just (laughs) drops it that she might still be like in love with him and be innocent. And he leaves and Cragen stops Liv before she walks out of the office and goes, hey, so about all that stuff I said on the wire, like about, you know, he doesn't say this, but, you know, he's referring to like all the stuff about the miscarriage, the loneliness, the ex, the, the widow. She goes, what stuff? And then he goes, okay. And she just 
walks out and it ends on like a slow zoom out of Craig and just in his office all alone. And that's Dick Wolf, baby. Yeah, a lot of twists and turns, a lot yeah. of fun, a lot of wild, a lot of horror. And what a perfect casting of that bald man. Oh my scary God. Scary guy. So scary. He doesn't really work much, but I feel like he could have been in like every major motion picture as just like hired gun number four. Whew. Yeah. Terrifying. Oh God, his daughter's already dead. This is wild. Okay. Um, well, listen to our ads and we're going to do some crime stuff. Um, all right. Great. Bye. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so um, this is based on, like, a crime, but I guess I'm just going to touch on, like, bride scams. Just a real quick little um, tidbit. So they're called the Boris and Natasha scams. <laughs> so I really love Interesting. that. Interesting. I love that. And so, like, a quick Google, like, the big letter definition right on Google is when a lonely American man believes he has found a beautiful woman to marry except Natasha ends up being a Boris. LOL. So that's the scam. Um, and then they're also known as romance scams, which seems less offensive than Boris yeah. and Natasha. <laughs> it's very Alexia from Miami Housewives. Uh, I don't know if you remember when she called all Russian women prostitutes yes. and then doubled down. And then it is one of the only things she regrets on Watch What Happens Live. But, <laughs> I, but I bet in the office of the FBI, they're still like, we got another Boris and Natasha. Okay. So a romance scam, I'm sure we all know, is when you meet someone special on a dating site or app, they claim it's true love, but they live far away. And then they start asking you for money for like a plane ticket or, you know, an emergency surgery or whatever it yeah. is. And we're living in 2023. We understand this concept. TLC has made a full schedule on this concept. So, you know. I think it's more in the zeitgeist now than ever, like with catfish and yeah. everything. The Federal Trade Commission states that in 2021, $547 million in losses to romance scams. And in 2022, nearly 70,000 people reported a romance scam. So that's a lot. Yeah. Like I just watched the Tinder swindler a couple of months ago and... It, it like, you know, you think it's like they're scamming like idiots. Sometimes it's just like gals looking for love, you know? Yes. Well, that was a guy. But, that was a guy doing the scamming. Yeah. But the Tindler swindler saw these people in person. They did right. meet up and then, then he loved, then he moved away because he had like, you know, special ops jobs or something, or he was so rich and had yeah. to hide out. But these, like, you don't even see these people. You don't even know. It's just like a fucking yeah. photo. They also ask for money in like really fast ways. Um, so like that you can that you can't get back. So it's been gift cards. There's been a surge of gift cards. Um, and then it's like Western Union type things, money wires, um, ask for pin codes, money transfer apps, and of course crypto is 
a part of all of, of this. But it has yeah. to, they, you know, they need the money fast and th there's no way you can get it back. Um, the, the Trade Commission's advice is never send money or gifts to a sweetheart you haven't met in person. Did everyone get that? And yeah. Once these Boris types get the money, they disappear and all communication and it leaves the victims brokenhearted and broke. So that is what happens. At least, um, you know, our dude Daniel got to fuck for a little bit. All right. <laughs> so this whole case is, uh, everyone's name is so hard. Okay. So this happened in LA and the LA area. So it's a hometown crime for us. So um, one guy is Jurijus Kadamovas. And the other guy is Yori Mikhail. And so that's it. So Kadamos is a, they're both Soviet, but he is Lithuanian, a Lithuanian immigrant, and he was living in Sherman Oaks. And Mikhail is Russian, and he was living in Encino. So these two guys, one YouTube video, because um, I was trying to find videos where they would say their names out loud, <laughs> and I couldn't, but this yeah. one was Soviet serial killers who terrorized Los Angeles. That was like the name of the video, oh pretty wild. So these two, they abducted, held hostage, and killed five people between 2001 and 2002. Their victims were Meyer Muscatel, 58 years old, Nick Car Karabadze, 29, Alexander Umansky, 35, Rita Peckler, 39, and George Safiev, 37. So they targeted Russian immigrants and dumped their bodies in a reservoir outside of Yosemite National Park in like a remote reservoir. Um, they would put weights onto the bodies before dumping them so they would sink. Um, these guys were like, they're described as San Fernando Valley businessmen in their 40s, and they cooked up this, this plan, this murder plot, while they were operating an aquarium store on Ventura Boulevard, which I don't know. Like, aquariums usually calm me down, so I don't know why <laughs> that's the place they got hopped up to do these vicious crimes, but um, they would lure their victims with offers of business deals and then demand money from their families and then strangle them. And so they went after people that would have some money. Um, there was always duct tape, zip ties, sedative drugs, and the death was always by strangling. After the killings, they loaded the bodies into their minivan and drove five hours north to the, like the new Malone's Reservoir. And that's where they would dump the bodies. Muscatel was a real estate developer. Uh, that is one of the victims. And he went to Mikhail's Encino home expecting to discuss a real estate deal. And so that's the thing. It's like, this isn't, this isn't a love scam. It isn't like, come on, dude. This all, it, it is really like they they catered the meetings to these people's businesses. And so it was like, oh, we want to talk about this. And I could just see any person being like, oh, great. Like if you're a freelancer or you're yeah. in real estate, like I could just see being like, oh, of course I'm going to stop by this house and let's talk. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so this guy showed up to the house expecting to talk real estate and said he was beaten, bound, and then killed when the abductors realized he wasn't that rich. Um, Safayev disappeared January 20th, 2002 from his Beverly Hills office. During his disappearance, his business manager received ransom calls instructing them to transfer nearly $1 million. And this is according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, as reported by CNN. And Umansky was kidnapped when he met Katamovez to sell him equipment for his car in December. Like, that's what I mean. Like, all of these are so tailor-made for the person. Yeah. So that was December 13th. And then the next day, his father, Reuven, um, I think it's Reuven, probably. So the next day, his father um, went to the office and discovered three identical ransom notes 
that were vax demanding $234,628. Why That's that random so number? specific. What? Maybe they thought that, maybe they thought in a weird way that banks like wouldn't flag it if it's not like a round number, like it's not $250,000, but like that is really random. So random. That's and all then, I can think of. Um, the victim's brother, Michael, also received the same note at his home fax. And I, it's early 2000s where fax is still a... Th- oh, we're you're still faxing. They were because I was working in data entry, I remember. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> and that was in San Francisco that same day. And the FBI said that all four faxes were sent from Russia, though they could not pinpoint the location. So four days later, his family paid $90,000 in ransom by wiring them money from a bank in New York to a branch of that same bank in Dubai. And then that same day, he called his brother um, to ask whether the money had been sent. And it was the last time the family heard from him. So they did get to speak to the brother one last time. And then, um, this is according to the FBI. And then December 27th, after being um, told that they wouldn't hear from Umansky till they got the full ransom, they wired about like $145,000. Peckler was a financial consultant and she was targeted because her captors thought she could lead them to wealthy clients. And so Safayev and Karbadze, they were lured both to the aquarium store to talk about a film production deal. You know, like I said, very specific. They got yeah. caught. So that's the information that I was able to get about on the victims. So back to the perpetrators of the crime. They got caught because authorities traced an electronic ransom payment to them. The wire transfer showed the money being sent to an account named Designed Water Worlds, Inc., And earlier that year, both of the killers each applied for $10 million life insurance policies and identified themselves as co-owners of the designed um, water world. Wow. Yeah, so you're going to make a mistake. Um, And after their arrest in 2002, these guys devised a plan to escape using a tunnel out of their cells, but also like, how do you put them in the same prison, like near each other in the same cells? (laughs) They're clearly not good together. Um, They were going to, like, break fences and the motorcycles would be waiting for them. That obviously did not happen, but they were charged. They were charged for escape, like, escape planning. So their defense attorneys argued that they're not killers and that underlings did the killing. And those underlings just named these guys to lighten their sentence in the deals. And prosecutors are just like, yeah, you would still be in trouble. (laughs) It's such a funny defense to be like, no, 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 we didn't kill. We made the underlings kill. Like, you're still responsible. Yes, like, same with Charles Manson. He still was in jail for his whole life. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you got to pull at straws when you're trying to defend when all the evidence is right there. So prosecutors are like, yeah, you two men led the group whose goal was to amass a fortune by kidnapping affluent business people. You're not off the hook. According to the prosecution, the men got a little more than a million dollars. I think it was like 1.2 million in total. So not very much. Or a lot. I mean, it's a lot of money, but like, not for five for fucking killing dead five fucking people. people. Yeah, um, their goal was to get fifty million. So, and they end quote they they have enough bodies to discard that they were end quote were stacked on top of each other, and that was the Orange County Register reported that. So these were like classic Russian mob vibes. I feel of like no mercy, no soul, no like, no nothing. Like they wanted to fully. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> 
if they were alive, we know what jobs they would be doing in the 30s and 40s. Okay. <laughs> so, like, they wanted a pit of people in the reservoir, so many dead that it would come up top. Like, creepy. Um, the victims were killed also regardless of whether the ransoms were paid or not. And that's really similar to the episode. So they had no intention of leaving anybody alive ever with money or not. In 2007, a federal jury convicted them of um, hostage taking, resulting in death, and many other charges. And then the judge sentenced them to death five years after the authorities began finding the bodies. The judge, another wild name, Dickran Tevertsian? I don't know. Yeah. I thought you would giggle. Dickran? Dickran is a crazy... Yeah. Dickran Tavrizian. Yeah. Um. So I was just... It was just not funny, but for me, it was like, okay, the killers have names that are hard. The victims, and you know, have hard names to pronounce. And now the judge is Dickran? Like, what is this case? So um, the judge said that these perpetrators showed no mercy... And that's according to the Orange County Register. And then Los Angeles Daily News reported that a prosecutor from the U.S. Attorney's Office, Susan DeWitt, said that the defendants killed them in cold blood with cold-blooded deliberation. The motive was money. Abducting for ransom was their business. Like, it wasn't a side hustle. It was their main hustle. The aquariums was the the fake front. (laughs) Yeah. Their defense attorney tried to portray them as hardworking immigrants who just wanted to open a boutique aquarium store in Ventura Boulevard. (laughs) Um, The jury deliberated for less than 10 hours. Um, They heard testimony, including from three co-conspirators who earlier pled guilty. So these are like the the underlings and stuff. And they all pled guilty to the roles in the scheme. One of the guys is Petro Kroilov. And he was Ukrainian and at at 35 years old at the time, he got sentenced to four consecutive life terms. In court, he argued that Mikhail and Kasimovas threatened to harm his family if he did not help them with the kidnapping and ransom plot, but he was found guilty as hell anyways. Like, it didn't really help. And especially since one of uh, the victims, Umansky, was his former boss at a stereo shop with whom he had a falling out with after being fired. Oh, Um, But he escaped the death penalty, not like his friends. And so a total of six men were brought up on charges. The guys displayed no emotion while the guilty verdict was read. However, two relatives of the victims burst into tears and then left the courtroom immediately after. Um, And then May 2009, a U.S. appeals court upheld the convictions and death sentences of the two men. And we do have some 2023 updates. I think they're all still, like, I couldn't... um, So basically on January of this year, January 12th, 2023, um, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Indiana on behalf of Kasimovas and a bunch of inmates, 37 other inmates, they're doing a class action lawsuit in Terre Haute, Indiana. They say that it is isolating and their standards fall below the minimum standard prescribed by international human rights treaties for the treatment of prisoners and violates the U.S. constitutional prohibition against cruel and unusual punishment. This lawsuit has been authored by lawyers from the AC CLU of Indiana and the national law firm with a bunch of last names and no updates on how that lawsuit's going. And it's like tough because ethically we're like not for solitary confinement and we're not death penalty girls. But when I hear their crimes back to back with them suing, it's like, yeah, fuck you. I hope your jail is shitty. You want to be treated well? Fucking assholes. It's like so tough. Yeah. So that's, that's, those are my people. (laughs) Do you, have you ever watched Barry? Have I watched Barry? I have not watched Barry. 
There's like a very funny guy in Barry named Noho Hank and he's Russian and he has like a Russian gang of guys that like, it's a funny show, but these guys like, if this is obviously very serious and horrific, but like these guys remind me of it. Like Noho Hank would totally be like, body, I have an aquarium store, you know? And like, they all come to the aquarium store, but like they kill people mercilessly just to like, you know, it's like all about getting money and getting, um, they're more mob. They're like Russian mob, but like, Yeah. Yeah. I'm imagining Noho Hank is one of these guys, but that's, it's fucked up. And I'm just so sad for these victims, you know, like just being lured. Ugh. Yeah. And bound but also, like, like what breaks in these people's brains that they're just like, yep, our business is we kill people for money. Like, it's just so psycho. But, you know, I don't know. Um, thank you for doing that research. Yeah, not a long one today. There should be more info about them, if I'm being honest. Like, this seems very interesting, but... Yeah. That's what I got. But we will get into a postmortem right now. Well, that was a really intense episode. We never love to see somebody get their entire face removed, but it does happen on SVU here and there. And to cleanse our palate, Casey these- just showed us his dog in a in a hoodie, and we will be posting it on the Instagram. So you can envision that for yourself, and then you can watch it on our Instagram. But let's it's do postmortem. Truly, it's just the horrors of the world know no ends, and like we shouldn't know these things happen. It's it's beyond. It's beyond. But the thing is, I always think about like middle. Uh, what is it, Middle Ages? Is that what it is? Back in the day, they were pretty brutal as well. Were they more sociopaths overall or did they not grow their... Like, why was torture so chill or were people upset back in the day too? God, I don't know. I mean, I would assume nobody loved torture, but I think it was probably part of just like, yeah, part of everyday life. I mean, who was getting tortured back in like the Middle Ages? Just like... Everyone, I mean, or like, you know, I mean, if you were a witch, if you were maybe if you didn't pay your taxes, I mean, if if your king husband wanted to marry another woman, you're yeah, 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 really. Everybody, nobody was safe from torture back in the day, no Uh, one, but this is because because they knew about it too. It's just like knowing that people's lives are so terrible is just like really hard. Yeah. It's not fair that these women want a future and a life and they are met with this psychopath who tattoos them and burns their faces off while using other women whose kids they have kidnapped. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I guess you just kind of wonder, like, where somebody's, like, moral compass, like, disappears to. Like, how it just, like, disintegrates to nothing. You're just like, this is what I have to do. I think you're born that way. I do. I think you're born to be that socio. Yeah. And then, and then, I mean, we've learned from SVU. And then if you also have abuse, but I think you need to have that in you first. Like, I think if you're abused, you might get, you, you will be fucked up. But I think to be a full psycho, you have to be born a psycho and then abused to make it worse. Like all the killers we talk about with these, like, do you think if they weren't abused, they would just be chill? I don't know. Yeah. But also, when we talk about this kind of stuff, like, this is, like, also existing in the power structure of a mafia or a mob, right? Like, kind of thing, where it's all about sending messages. It's like, they could have just shot this girl in the head and, like, left her on the beach. You know what I mean? Like, they do all that stuff to send messages to other people. So... To behave. Yeah. 
to keep people in line. So it's like using violence and torture as a control device has been tale as old as time, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, we could talk about Brighton Beach. If you're ever there, you can, the Poinchike are the best. It's like these doughy things filled with potatoes. If you're on the boardwalk and you see like a crispy golden brown dough, get one with potatoes and have a good time. Is that like a pierogi? No, because our pierogi is like Varenike. Um, This is more piroshki. This is like a different type of dough. It's like a thicker dough. It's not a dumpling style. Oh. The dumplings are uh, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the dumplings are good too. But I don't know if the dumplings would be like straight up on the boardwalk. Like these are sold on the boardwalk. You know, on the streets. Like there'll be vendors. Oh, it's like a street street food. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's a street food. But obviously go in, have a verenike, have, you know, lots of great stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but just to go back to what we were just talking about pre-food, like the woman in the episode who's, child was killed. Like, I don't know if she was born a sociopath, but that event of violence is what turned her into like a bad guy. Cause like when she's smiling at the end and like, she's enjoying the like cat and mouse of like how evil she is. But I wonder if before her child was like ceremoniously ripped from her and killed, she was a normal person. Who's to say? Yeah. Yeah, when you don't have you options know. and you're putting Yeah, out. and I don't know. It's also interesting in this episode too that we now live in a time where Russian brides used to kind of like, when this episode came out, right? Like this is season 12. I forgot this came out like 2011 or something. Like Russian brides have always been kind of like a little bit of like a punchline or whatever, like a thing you talk about. But now it's like TLC has made like a full programming off of this type of relationship. Like, you know, people that meet online or come from like other places to improve their station and also get married and start a different life, you know? Like when you're talking about the Boris and Natasha scams and stuff, which are, which are romance scams, but like, you know, also. Yeah. The TLC of it all, like even someone yesterday asked me, they're like, oh, what about 90 day or something? And I go, that's beneath me. I'm sorry. Bravo is a higher tier and TLC is more trash and exploitative, I think. Like, this whole idea of a Bravo reckoning, it's like, uh-uh, how about TLC preying on the mentally ill? How about that? How about yeah. I eat weird things and all of, like, the extreme couponing shows were really disturbing to watch. Like, the the cheapskate shows, like... It's just a little more uncomfortable for me, the TLC. But what's wild about the 90 days I've seen a couple is like you don't know who's using who it's like yeah you feel you feel bad for both of them you're like who what is because it's someone that like obviously like cannot find love in any capacity and then it's someone that wants to leave their country and then it's like I I never I don't know it's well I mean but now you know it's opposite like there's people that are going to like different like from America going places going to live wow and then uh, the only clip I saw, maybe I was in a hotel. I don't know even know why I saw this, but it was like, this woman be like, my family was right. I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, you're, you suck. Because he, he demanded children. And she's like, we decided we don't want any. He goes, you better give me a child. And she's like, I'm going to leave the country. <laughs> like, bye. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, <sighs> famously, I dipped my toe in visiting a friend to TLC uh, to 90 Day 
when I saw this girl who was like 19 coming from the Philippines to marry like a 49-year-old man and he like wouldn't buy her a wedding dress for like $40 at David's Bridal. Like he, he, he was like, nah. And I was like, yeah, this show makes me feel bad. Like, but maybe that was a bad episode. I know I have friends with 90 Day Podcasts. I know it's like a huge phenomenon and people love it. But it just like that first episode I caught, I was like, this feels like a huge power imbalance. I hate this. I don't want to watch this. And maybe that's the SVU. Maybe I'm watching too much SVU and I, I don't well, like no, you're just you're just hoping that these people get the citizenship they need and then uh, And then divorce. they can bounce. Yeah. But- Let's move on to our What Would Sister Peg Do for this week? Uh, that's our weekly segment where we direct you to a podcast. Oh my God. So I just got a text. It says, um, sorry to alarm, major news. The McNugget buddies are returning to McDonald's December fucking 11th. The Nugget toys. The Nuggets are back. Ah! Well, I have a Nugget witch, famously. But, oh, my God, these are cute. I thought something serious was happening, like, geopolitically, and it's the Nugget Toys, and I'm so happy for you, but I just want to let you know that the, you bring the same energy to those both of those kind of announcements, I think. <laughs> After more than 25 years, they're back, just in time How for How did holidays. you get this text? Who texted this to you? Julia Olson, and I saw major news come up on the laptop. Major news. <laughs> in all caps. This is, you know how we a lot of times have unhinged intros? This is one of our most unhinged outros, I will say. Like, we are, we're bouncing all over the map. So, okay, let's get into what would Sister Peg do? And, you know, obviously, all due respect to the Nuggets, we're moving on to Sister Peg. <laughs> uh, this is our weekly segment where we point you guys to, like, a book, a blog post, a charitable organization, something to help or uh, give you more context to what we talked about in today's episode. And... For this week, I wanted to point you guys to a consumer advice article from the Federal Trade Commission called What to Know About Romance Scams. I'm very, I think we're all, we were talking a little bit about romance scams in the episode with the, what happened to the man in this episode, uh, that he was basically being scammed from the get and uh, in a much more intricate way that involved murder. But the Tindler Swindler, like we're hearing about all these romance scams all the time and I want everyone to know what they are so that you're not getting... You guys are all really smart, but just in case, you never know who can scam you. The article points to the types of lies romance scammers will frequently use to get money out of you. It also has resources for reporting potential romance scams. And if you're interested, there's even a fun little animated video of a woman getting duped by a scammer. So that's fun. Uh, well, I mean, we know our friend, we know someone related to our friend who's being scammed by someone pretending to be Kevin Costner. Yes. That's an older person and that's happening. That's an epidemic. That's not just her. That's happening no, it's to a, a yellow, lot of people. Yellowstone yeah. is taken over. People are going to Montana and they're also scamming elderly women being like, I'm Kevin Costner and I would like to fuck you. And they're giving away money. And if you could just empty your bank account, I need the money as Kevin Costner, star of Yellowstone. It's really, it's really dark because it's like, you can get through to vulnerable people who really can't be unconvinced and stuff or because of various reasons. And so you just want to like try to be as safe as possible. So for more info about this, um, it's kind of a uh, complicated link. It's not just like a simple website. So go to the article linked in our show notes. And as always, I post it as a story in our uh, Instagram feed the day the episode comes out and it's saved forever in our WWSPD highlight. Thank you so much for all of that. And next week, join us for the episode Merchandise, season 12, episode four. And we're not talking about after Christmas shopping sales. 
another type of merchandise, sadly. I think you, <sighs> I think they know. Thanks, guys. Merry, merry everything. Happy holidays. Whatever you're celebrating, enjoy the, you know, enjoy a peppermint latte or whatever the hell. See you next week. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at That's Messed Up Pod and on Twitter at Messed Up Pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien, and our associate producer, Christina Chamberlain. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun, dun! dun. <laughs> Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.